Welcome in to another edition of the Bama Baseline Podcast. I'm James Fletcher, alongside Luke Ratliff and Trevin Pierre-Noel. Uh, we got a lot to talk about today. Uh, Alabama took on the FAU Owls earlier this week, so we'll have the uh, your, cronies. your full recap of that. Uh, we'll also get you ready for the Rhode Island Rams. Uh, we're going to talk to Will Gagan. Uh, in the third, we're going to have a list for you guys, and then we'll give our preview in the fourth quarter. So, guys, let's go ahead and get into this. The FAU game, big win for Alabama, first of the Nate Oates era. Uh, what were some of your thoughts? I thought it was a very, very good showing by a shorthanded Bama team, honestly. Uh, you know, Bama got out there, didn't have Herbert Jones for the game, although he, I'm told he was available, but uh, just didn't play him. Uh, first thing. Guys, did y'all see our starting lineup? Yeah. It was an interesting Very starting interesting. lineup it was, to go it, out there yeah, We went out with – Four guards uh, and, a, and a forward. Yeah, we went out with uh, uh, Kyra Lewis, John Petty, Beetle Bolton, then freshman Jalen Forbes, then redshirt freshman. This was the kicker, Javian Davis. Javian Davis got How a start, cool. and that was he, – he, a lot of questions before the game about starting Javian, but he really proved uh, his worth out there, led the team in scoring – uh, in and in game. rebounds. Yeah, I mean, a great showing for him. Uh, really happy to see him perform so well in this game because uh, it's been a long road for him. It had been about a, almost two years yeah. since he had played a basketball game, uh, a, a real live-action yeah. basketball yeah. game uh, before the start of this season and struggled in game one. He did. Yeah. A uh, lot of offensive fouls. He got frustrated, uh, took him right out of a rhythm, and, mm-hmm. and they really had to get him off the court quickly. Mm-hmm. But he, he bounces back, and to lead the team in scoring in a 78-59 uh, victory, and, and FAU had had some, some guys down low who were, who were guarding him, uh, but he, he really stepped up to the occasion, didn't let the early fouls rattle him yeah. uh, like he did in game one, and he, he really just, for the rest of the game, uh, was a constant factor on both ends of the floor. Yeah, shout out to him. Have your career, have yourself a career day, young man. Uh, I just really hope that this becomes the norm for him. I really hope Nate Oates gives him another opportunity to start with up in Rhode Island, especially with Herb dealing with the stuff that he needs to. So I really, I'm very happy for this guy. Again, like you said, two years in the making this performance. So hope he just keeps the boat rowing. Um, also, shout out to Kyra Lewis. Um, he had a great day, 16, 6, and 8 with three steals. Um, shot pretty good from the field, free throw line, three-pointer. Couldn't ask for a better day from Kyra Lewis. Absolutely. Uh, and, two, like, well, I, I keep going back to JV and Davis, right? Yeah. How how cool is this? Right? You know, he comes out. He hasn't played a very good game against Penn. Uh, he comes out against Florida Atlantic and leads the team in scoring after not playing for two years, like James said. How cool is that, right? You know, it's, it's stuff you love to see. In 30 for 30s. Yeah. 30 for 30s. And to do it, I mean, he was a guy who was a project coming in. Mm-hmm. And he was not expected to really contribute until maybe even his junior, redshirt mm-hmm. junior year. And to come out and make an impact this early in the season, uh, is it sustainable? Uh, that'll be I sure hope so. to be determined. But <laughs> if it can be, I think that that'll be huge for this team moving forward. Well, on the other side of things, Jalen Forbes, he did struggle in his first start. I think he he, he had a little bit of that JV and Davis effect uh, from before. The blind, like the, the, the headlights right. in the yeah. eyes kind you of know, thing. He got his first start uh, 0 for 4 from 3, 0 for 4 from the field. 
Uh, only starter with a negative in the plus minus, but hey, he's getting adjusted. First start in college. I, I think he'll settle down and I think he'll contribute uh, as the season continues. I, I don't know if he'll stay in the starting lineup. Probably, uh, probably much not. Longer, yeah, because uh, Herb Jones obviously will be an option before him uh, when healthy. Alex Reese, uh, not fully healthy, so he was coming off the bench in this one. Uh, so this this starting lineup is still very much in flux, and we'll, we'll have to see over the next uh, few weeks where it lines up. And I think uh, you, you want to have a, a set lineup uh, before you head into conference play in January. Even before conference play, you got North Carolina in the battle for Atlanta's coming games. up. So you need to go ahead and like kind of just yeah. finalize what you're going to do with that situation. But on the flip side, you're talking about uh, Forbes and his bad performance. But Shackelford, after having a terrible performance against Penn, came out shooting the lights out against uh, Florida Atlantic. Six for 10, four for seven from three points out of 17 points in the game coming off the bench. I think, again, like you said, it's kind of just like the lights in your eyes kind of thing. It's like, oh, this is my first start. You get that adrenaline pumping and you just overshoot it sometimes. You know, it's just, it's a big moment for you. Um, just you just sometimes just need to calm down and they'll both of those guys will contribute very much um, on the back end of the season once they get those nerves settled and start really actually feeling this college system. Yeah, and I think Shackelford Maybe uh, efficiency-wise in game one, uh, not the best showing, but he's a guy who's going to get you points every night. Uh, he's going to put up the numbers. Him and, and Kyra he, will be fighting for he's that. Not top afraid, five. He's not afraid to keep shooting. Uh, if, he, if he gets into a rhythm, well, then, I mean, I think we could see some, some record-setting uh, nights in Coleman Coliseum this year uh, from Jaden Shackelford if he can continue to find the rhythm. Absolutely. Uh, the question that, uh, well, not really the question, but the things I look at here, like I'm looking at the stat sheet, uh, our perimeter defense. I don't know if it was our perimeter defense or they just had a cold shooting night. But Florida Atlantic shot 17% from the three-point line for the game. I like that. That's Avery Johnson-esque. I think it's got to be a little That's mixture AJ of both. Is. But I, I, but I think it, it does say something about the guards. And, you know. Well, hold on. Here's my favorite stat. We were 77% from the free throw line. I knew was, this was coming. It's I knew my, it was coming, My too. favorite stat, 77% from the free throw line. Javion Davis missed two. That happens when you shoot volume. He's not used to shooting volume. John Petty missed one. It's okay. It's fine. You were five for six. That's great. Alex Reese kind of just messed up the one time, the couple mm -hmm. times he went to the line. It happens. But 77%. Guys, they reached the number that I always just – if they reach that number, I always say 75% from the free throw line. You reach that number, their odds of winning goes up so much more. And they did a great job with Florida Atlantic only shooting 35%. From the free throw line, oh, it was such a great, it's such a great feeling. Yeah, it's pretty good. Such a great feeling. Uh, I look too, like I'm looking. At, we we won the rebounding battle by a wide margin. We won with 45 to 32 on rebounding, on rebounding. But uh, uh, 12 offensive rebounds for 16 second chance points in the game, as opposed to 11 for FAU. It's pretty good. No, yeah, that's a good, good. That's a good day. And how about Tyler Barnes getting in the game? Woo! Oh, with time left. Raymond, oh the man. Hawkins got in the game. Four rebounds in two minutes. The man of was gameplay. You know, I think in two minutes of gameplay, he was on track for what sixty rebounds in the normal <laughs> he game. Has, he has drawn some great comparisons. Oh uh, well, we uh, are from the media. Darius Miles is one, <laughs> yeah. of course. My personal favorite uh, from Cecil Hurt at Tuscaloosa News compared him to Bola Lanyan. Yeah. Oh wow, you just can't replicate some great like that. comparisons for Tyler I'm Barnes. Su I'm surprised he hasn't gotten Scalabrini yet. <laughs> That's another another one that he could. <laughs> I'm surprised could he hasn't gotten Scalabrini yet. 
<laughs> so the white mamba. So we've, uh, we've gotten the the backups got in, the walk-ons got to got to play a little bit at the end. With uh, Raymond Hawkins got got some gameplay as well. But there is something we have to talk about. Breaking news since we last spoke: Javon Quinterly will not be playing this season uh, for the Crimson Tide. Uh, what were your takeaways from? From the decision from the NCAA, I, I got, the I, aftermath. Go, go ahead, you go first. You you know, go first. No, actually, Trevor, I want you to go first because I'm going. I need somebody to call me that because I'm going to I'm say not, something not that is call. not good for FAA. FAA I'm not, I'm well, not going to call good you news that. is FAA. we're not on. You hear me? FCC. FCC. We are not on FCC where airwaves like or the FAA, which <laughs> the FAA. <laughs> Neither of those controls on this thing. podcast. Here's my thing. What is the standard for the NCAA in terms of these waivers, right? Because at this point, I have no clue at all what these waivers are. Because it's not only here in basketball. It's also in every sport that apparently happens. There is a situation like what happened to that kid in, uh, I want to say, Virginia, where it was a football player in Virginia, and he wanted to, he had to transfer to Virginia because his mother was sick, and he wanted to be closer to his family. The NCAA denied his waiver even after the coach had left the program and even after he explained the reason why they denied his his waiver to play mm-hmm. that year immediately eligible. Yeah, Brock but Kaufman. you but you let people like Tate Martell and Justin Fields who just apparently just didn't get the playing time they wanted mm-hmm. and just grant them their waivers. Really what is the standard here in the NCAA? Do I just need to go go ahead and just toss all emotion out the window and just be like, "Well, my coach didn't play me, so I want to go somewhere else." Is that what it takes for me to finally just get my eligibility? Like what are you guys doing? What what standard are you holding these kids to? It is ridiculous. Uh, well, I, you just hate to see a once proud organization like the NCAA resort to cowardice, and it's it's honestly it's it's just it's it's disheartening. It's disheartening. I think you could hear that in uh, the press release that. Greg Byrne put out. Yes. Yeah, where he's very hey, strong. Very strong. For a press release. I, I don't blame him. Uh, good I for don't him. Either. Good for him. It's ridiculous. And we've seen pushback from from not only Alabama staff, but J- the James Wiseman situation at Memphis, the biggest topic in college basketball right now. Penny Hardaway not holding back punches, even wearing the more than an athlete shoes uh, in a Twitter and Instagram post. Uh, earlier this week, it was absolutely incredible to see uh, the, the pushback from all of these schools as they as they go forward against the NCAA. Look, I, I think the NCAA has reached the point where people are realizing how terrible they are as an institution. I'm just going to be honest with you guys. Now, I, got, I have strong feelings on this subject. I've followed a lot of these cases here, and I this all these athletes are just a pawn in, the, NCAA, on, in the NCAA's uh, system here uh you can't justify there, there's no coincidence that chase young the top player in college football and james wiseman possibly the top player in college basketball both received suspensions on the same day uh for rulings where especially in chase young's case he paid back the loan from a family friend mm-hmm. There's no no case there to be made that he was currently violating. If he did violate, he had already justified uh, whatever wrong, quote-unquote, that he had committed. Right. With the James Wiseman situation, that was common knowledge. I, I mean, 
Benny Hardaway never hid those numbers, never hid that fact. It was out there in the public. The NCAA knew they granted him freshman eligibility in March, told him he would be able to play, and then came back uh, with a case against him. And now we're seeing the pushback against it. And I think that the Javon Quinterly situation is an extension of this. The NCAA is fighting back against laws that are being passed across the country allowing pay for play, which is poorly worded, I'll give that, but rules that allow college athletes uh, to make money off their name name and and likeness, the NCAA does not want that to happen. So what do they respond with? They respond by killing the image of these athletes. You start making them villains in the public eye, telling people that this is why we can't allow them to go do things on their own, because they're breaking the rules and they're doing things that cannot be regulated under this new system. That is the NCAA's goal in all of this uh, by denying Javon Quinterly his waiver and his appeal, by suspending James Wiseman, by suspending Chase Young. They want to make the public view college athletes, college students as villains in the system uh, as they continue to make money off of them with no... Uh, no compensation towards these athletes other than a cost of living stipend and a scholarship. Well, Very what, well said. What? What? I mean, seriously. Like it feels like at times because you right here you heard Greg Byrne talk about it. You heard him in this. If you read the press release, say that Javon and his family have been through more. He said than any other collegiate athlete ever. Right. To, to put it in you know, a poor, poor way of saying it by me, I'm, I may be pre- paraphrasing, but seriously, like, I mean, it's, it feels like they're making an example. That's out exactly of what, what it is. Out of Javon Quinterly. When, when he very rightfully deserves to be playing the sport he loves, and he shouldn't be, you know, if he stays till his senior year, he's going to be playing at 24 years old. And it's which a is, false why narrative. Why would you do that? A false narrative that they know that the public can't see through. They know that the, the general public can't get access to these documents. They can't look through these records. They can't access this inside information. And so they can put out whatever they want and mm-hmm. and give whatever reasons they want for their ruling. And you're seeing coaches, athletic directors, parents push back against it. Mm-hmm. And now it's just a shame that lawyers are having to be brought into these, these situations. Uh, it's not a shame. It, it needs to happen because the NCAA has gone unchecked for so long. Just everybody's assumed that's the ruling. They are the law. That is point blank, period. But for I'm these, very, fam- I'm for very these much family, happy for these families these to have to go out and pay a lawyer when they're not receiving anything off of their name and likeness, uh, what sense does that make? You now are having to fight just to be a part of an organization that will not pay you by hiring a lawyer and paying that lawyer. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- this is a completely backward system that the NCAA is using, and it's time for a complete overhaul of the amateur model uh, that they're holding on to so desperately. Well, and in the meantime, you've got, you know, it, it, you've got this whole, we've dealt with it for two years now. You've got the whole FBI scandal going on where you've got people on tape, on tape, Arranging and doing actual cheating by your, like by your own definition of the rules. If you're the NCAA, yes, you've got real people doing real stuff and getting caught doing it, and you've done you've bat, you're not even batting an eye at it. Right, first. and it's the double standard again. These coaches, 
They're making millions, uh, which rightfully so. I think that coaches should be paid whatever their market value is. I also think players should be able to make whatever their market value is. But uh, these coaches, there's such a double standard. A player accepts, you know, however much money from a coach, and the player is ruled ineligible. The player isn't allowed. And here's the the other thing. The NCAA knows this, and this is why they're able to continue the, this uh, this scheme that they've got and, and that they've been prolonging. They know that these athletes need them to get to the next level. And basketball players are trying to prove that narrative wrong, but football players don't have a choice. Uh, football players, there is no minor league system currently. There is nowhere for them to go. So if the NCAA chooses to suspend them for whatever actions they go through, they can't fight back. Uh, they're stuck in this system, and it really it's going to take change, and I hope that these laws that are being passed across the country can help lead to that. But I really think that the NCAA is going to, to fight back until the last, the last possible moment, mm-hmm. as they hold on to to the revenue share that they they currently have. That's right, guys. Let's get let's get back to the game very quick. Uh, Alabama FAU. All right, couple couple more notes, and then yeah. we'll, we'll get to our get to our guests. Here. That's that's right. Uh, Alabama seventy FAU at fifty nine, a nineteen point win for the Tide. Uh, you're looking. Uh, one thing looks at I'm looking at, and I didn't see it before now. Uh, well, two things really. Uh, one. 11 turnovers for the whole game for the Tide. That's pretty good. And I think two of them came in the last two minutes of the game where we had uh, walk-ons Adam Cottrell and Brenton Johnson out there. Uh, two, I'm looking at, which, well, let's not bat an eye at this. This is a huge upgrade from, I believe we had 17 turnovers in the loss against Penn. And still managed to score more points somehow. Mm. Blows my mind. <laughs> right? Uh, but two, 34 points in the paint. Which is, I'm looking at the shot chart now. Uh, we missed, what, only five shots? Four or five shots in the paint the whole game? Definitely Whereas we only made like five shots <laughs> in the paint the last game. Right, Let's yeah. talk about improvement here. How about that? And a lot of that comes at the hands of, uh, again, J.B. Davis just played out of his mind. Good for him. It right? was. It was a great game. Uh, let's go ahead. Uh, we'll take this break. We'll come back. We have the sports editor from the independent Rhode Island uh, up next. He'll get us prepared for the Rhode Island Rams. The Capstone, 90.7 FM, WVUA. Welcome back into the Bama Baseline podcast. I'm James Fletcher here. Uh, we got a special special interview for you guys today. Uh, beat writer uh, for the Rhode Island Rams, Will Gagan, is on the phone. Will, how you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? Uh, doing doing good. Uh, really interested to hear what you what you have to say about these Rhode Island Rams. I know we've all been anticipating this matchup, uh, a true road game for Alabama uh, against a, a mid major opponent uh, in the A10. Uh, what can you tell us about the, the Rams team this season? Uh, how have they looked so far? Yeah, sure. So uh, one and one so far. They won their opener uh, over LIU relatively easily, uh, and then lost uh, at number seven Maryland. Um, on Saturday, um, so coming in at one and one to this game, they're they're certainly going to be looking for a big win. Um, high expectations for them this year. Last year, they they lost a bunch of seniors from the year before. Lost their head coach Dan Hurley, uh, so a new coach took over. A couple guys back, a lot of new guys coming in, so it's definitely a different kind of year. 
Um, they, they had some ups and downs, really didn't shoot the ball well, uh, but they kind of put it together toward the end of the year, ended up making a run to the A-10 tournament semifinals. So they, they really were looking to build off that um, as they come into this year. They scheduled tough. They're, they're hoping to, to put together an NCAA tournament kind of resume. Um, and, uh, you know, they'll be looking for, for – for this game against Alabama to be a big big part of that if they can get a win. Yeah, talk about this game against Alabama. How big is it uh, for a school like Rhode Island to, to host a Power 5 school in Alabama, not only for their resume, but for the for the fans and for the, the school as a whole? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, One of my fellow beat writers, uh, Bill Koch of the Providence Journal, um, just tweeted out the other day, this is the first, uh, first time an SEC team will be playing at the Ryan Center, uh, URI's home court. Uh, so it's a pretty big deal. Um, they don't get it, it, it's tough for teams in the A10 at that sort of sort of mid level to to bring in Power Five teams. Power Five teams don't want to play on on that kind of team's home court because you know they know it's it's going to be a tough game. Uh, so it's a big opportunity for URI to uh, to get a potential big win. But like you said, it's also yeah big for the fans uh, to, to give it kind of a big game feel. Certainly one of the bigger home games we'll have this year. Yeah, we've seen a few SEC teams go on the road already against smaller opponents. Uh, our rival Auburn uh, obviously played at South Alabama earlier this week. And uh, do you see that as, as something that's beneficial to the game of college basketball, these Power Fives going on the road? Uh, because it helps their strength of schedule, but it also helps the, these uh, mid-major teams and their, their tournament hopes. Yeah, it really does. I mean, you know, a few years ago, it just seemed like it was kind of a stalemate between these these Power Five teams and, and teams outside that group who were still, you know, in in relatively big conferences like the Atlantic Ten. Um, so I think it, it's nice to see that it's, it seems to be that that's breaking a little bit where, where teams are willing to go uh, to the home courts of, of a team like Rhode Island. Um, and, and hopefully that does continue. I think it is really good for the game. Um, like you said, it's good for, for both teams. Uh, to be able to have that chance, you know, I think a few years ago it was it was tough for these for an A10 team to really build an NCAA tournament type resume without taking some chances. And you also they they don't want to necessarily take by games. They're trying to negotiate home and homes, but it's difficult to do. Um, so I think it, it helps everybody to to get these kind of games for sure. Yeah, uh, let's go ahead and look at this Rhode Island roster. Uh, what can you tell me about uh, Jeff Doughton, uh, senior guard? Uh, what does he bring to the team, uh, the leading scorer? And then uh, who, who else do you see as the kind of the leaders of this, this Rhode Island team? Yeah, so Jeff Doughton is definitely the sort of the unquestioned leader. He's a senior. Um, he came in as a freshman to a pretty talented team uh, back in the 2016-17 season and ended up grabbing the starting job in, in February because of an injury, and he ne- has never let it go. Uh, he's, he's kind of been running the team ever since then. Uh, talented kid. He's a uh, strong leader, super competitive. Uh, last year in the A-10 tournament, he had some of the best games of his career, and the team revealed that they, uh, they call him Tournament Jeff at that time of year because he's just a, a hyper-competitive guy. He st- steps up his game, and he really leads the way for the team. He's uh, he can score when he has to, great distributor, doesn't turn the ball over much. Uh, so he's been just a, a steady presence for them for four years. Uh, and then the other guy who's, who's really a strong leader for them, uh, the, the other senior, Surreal Langevin, he uh, didn't make quite as big of an impact early on as Jeff Dowden did, but um, had some big games for that team that it made the NCAA tournament. He had a big game in a uh, in a second. 
second round NCAA tournament game against Oregon, kind of showcase what he would be able to do. And he's been pretty awesome since then. Uh, t- tremendous rebounder, uh, one of the best rebounders in the country, uh, and a real driving force in terms of his competitiveness as well. Yeah, and uh, talk about Coach David Cox taking over, of course, Hurley, big shoes to fill uh, after he left. But uh, how, how has he done in the, the adjustment period, and, and what does he bring uh, from that Hurley staff? Yeah, I mean, so he was uh, he was the associate head coach with Dan Hurley, so a lot of the a lot of the same approaches, the same same offensive and defensive principles, um, and I think uh, you know the biggest adjustment last year, it, it seemed from the outside at least, was just just uh, you know trying to find his sort of voice as as a true leader. You know, Dan Hurley was a a fiery guy and. And David Cox is a little less, less so, uh, at least in terms of vocal, um, uh, of how he is vocally. Um, but I think that, you know, he's, he's found his voice and the team is, has adjusted to him. Uh, they had a few games early on last year where, where they, they sort of laid an egg. They just didn't have the effort they needed. Um, and I, I don't think that will necessarily happen now. Uh, it seems like, you know, they may not, they may not play well. They may not shoot well. I don't think that effort is going to be a problem. I think they've kind of found their groove with each other now. Um, and, and David Cox in his second year is uh, hoping for big things. Yeah, and uh, do you see any guys on this team as kind of breakout uh, potential players, uh, guys who you think could, could make the, the leap this year or maybe coming into the team uh, in their first season? Uh, who should we who should we be on, on the lookout for in this game and, and moving forward? Yeah, so a couple guys. Uh, so Tyrese Martin uh, is a sophomore, and he had a, a pretty strong freshman year, uh, similar to Jeff Dowden, actually, where he, he came in and grabbed the starting uh, starting job sort of midway through the season. He had some great games in uh, A-10 conference play last year. Uh, just a really uh, a really strong, steady player, uh, a wing, uh, wing guy, plays the three. A good defender, good shooter, pretty good at getting to the basket, and, and you can you can see just a lot of potential with him. He's a he's a potential All Conference kind of guy for them down the road potentially this year if you know if there's enough shots to go around, um, so he could have a big year. And then the other guy who sticks out uh, is a freshman, uh, so I think it'll be a little bit of an up and down ride for him. But Jacob Toppin, uh, his brother Obi, uh, is at another A10 school, Dayton, and was the A10 Player of the Year last year. He was kind of a breakout star. Uh, Jacob, similar athleticism. Uh, he's put on a couple of, of dunk shows already, a couple of highlights. Um, so they're looking for for good things from him. Uh, we'll see, you know, how how it goes as a freshman, kind of breaking into the lineup. But uh, certainly he'll be he'll be asked to do some things, and he has a lot of potential. Yeah, and I see you guys looking ahead at your schedule here, uh, heading to Montego Bay, uh, going to play one, another one of our SEC rivals, LSU, uh, down the road. Uh, how big is it? Of course, Alabama's heading to uh, uh, to the Atlantis tournament. How, how big are these tournaments where the, these kids get to go out and experience something that they've, they've usually, in most cases, never never had before and be able to go to these unique places? Yeah, I mean, it's got to be gonna be really cool for them uh it's a, I, I know it's an opportunity that pretty much every every team at a certain level is trying to get into these these kind of tournaments because it helps your ncaa chances helps uh you know helps with team bonding and and it helps uh, as you said with, with just giving these guys a really cool experience and that's ultimately what what uh college basketball is about to some extent so it, it's cool for these guys i'm sure they'll they'll enjoy their trip you know the seniors on this team 
they've been to Hawaii. They've been to uh, they had a, a New York tournament, and now uh, Jamaica. So some big stuff for them. Yeah, and uh, before we let you go here, I gotta get gotta get your take on the the VCU Rams uh, fellow A10 school taking down the LSU Tigers. Uh, we we were we were following that game closely, and and big fans of, big fans of them. <laughs> yeah, VCU is tough. Uh, I think uh, they're they're kind of the team to beat in the A10 this year. Uh, and it, it, I was reading about it today. It's pretty cool how they they basically put in the contracts of all their coaches that if, if the coach leaves, they've got to come back with their new team and play at VCU. Um, so that was that was a situation with Will Wade, and obviously VCU kind of relished that chance uh, and scored a big win. It's a big win for for the A10. The A10 is. Uh, Looking for some big things this year. Looking for some signature wins like that, uh, and they certainly got one last night. All right. Uh, once again, uh, Will Gagan on with us, Rhode Island uh, beat reporter. Will uh, let let our listeners know where they can find you and uh, keep up with uh, what you're putting out. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm on Twitter at Rhodey Will, uh, and you can also check out uh, the, the newspaper website is IndependentRI.com. All right. Thanks for coming on today, Will. No problem. Thank you. All right. We'll talk to you later. That was Will Gagan, a Rhode Island beat reporter for the Independent Rhode Island. Uh, great interview. And we'll be back with you next. The Capstone, 90.7 FM, WVUA. Okay, I, w- I want to take you in here and give you listeners a look into what's going on here in the Bama Baseline Studios. Uh, it's it's absolute chaos right now. Totally. Nobody knows what's happening. Uh, LSU is currently playing in VCU. I've got it pulled up on my computer. I'm thrown up for a loop. I misread the stat sheet in the last segment. <laughs> Uh, I, I, no, it's okay because you need to tell them what's going on. I, I need, I need, but I need. I'll get to that in a second. I made an error saying something. Uh, right now, LSU is playing at VCU in the Siegel Center. It's a gold out, folks, in the Siegel Center. Gold out. They got the. I feel like that's the wrong one. It's a gold. LSU is purple and gold. Well, they a, got Will Wade Hate Week. Is it is an actual swing? Thing. Will Wade Hate Week at VCU. This is the return game. For Will Wade at VCU, a lot of negotiated as a part of his buyout. Uh, come, nego- as part of his buyout, he had to come back and play in VCU. Uh, it's not looking good, folks. Uh, Eight twenty-two left in the first half. It's twenty-four twenty-two VCU. Um, Will Wade's on the sidelines. Uh, his shirt is bigger than ever. Uh, <laughs> it's just, it seems like now it's 25 22. Uh, it just no, seems like. Good, this is good podcasting here. Uh, a, this is, a play-by-play narration of an event that will have been 24 not, hours old <laughs> by the time our listeners. I'm telling you, it is just. Hear this. If you haven't watched the game by the time you're listening to this podcast, I'm going to keep you up to date. Uh, VCU resorting to, you know, press offense and trapping in the half court uh, in the first half. You just, you love to see this. You love to see this. It seems like Will Wade, his shirt gets larger with each passing game. You know, like, 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 like with each win, the shirt just gets exponentially bigger. Like, I feel like Will Wade wears a larger shirt than I do. All right. Uh, 
Yeah, but anyways, and that's a that's a two minute segue into our SEC rundown for the week. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk to you guys about everything that's happened in the SEC. Uh, starting, of course, with LSU and VCU going on as we record on a, on a Wednesday. But let, let's take it back about 24 hours ago. The greatest 24 hours. People Less were, than that, folks. Well, 24 hours ago, there was preparations underway. Yeah. For, for the return game. Let's go! Evansville on their way to face Kentucky. And, and you had... A former Kentucky stand, standout coaching the Evansville Purple Aces. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to apologize for what I said. I, For once in my life, I gave Calipari just a tiny bit of credit for him <laughs> and his team. And what does he do? He does this. I take back everything I said about Calipari. It is over with. He is terrible. He doesn't know how to coach the best talent. They're going to lose in the round of 16 again this year. It's going to be a great time. Thank you, Calipari, for proving me right so again. Let's, just, let's flatly say what happened to Kentucky last night. Everybody on three, flatly say what happened. What did they do? One, two, three. They lost. They, they lost. lost. Where did they lose at? One, two, three. Rob Arena. Arena. Oh, you hate to see it. And, and the saddest, they had a chance. They had chance. They had multiple <laughs> they, chances. No, 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 no. The Evansville Purple Aces walked through the door. They had more than a chance to beat them right then. Let's talk about even, this for even, a second. Even down late, they had chances to win the game. But, like, <laughs> Calipari, what are you doing, man? <laughs> what are you doing? Rub Arena against your Kentucky, number one. You paid $90,000 for them to come in and win. Evansville walks through the door and steps foot on the court. Walter you McCarty, have a chance to win. Walter your McCarty used his up. inside they, information they paid, on the program they, to full, full extent. They paid $10,000 to each player to come and win <laughs> that played that night. Like, like come on. You, you hate what? to see it. You, hate, you know, I think, I think a lot about I think I think it was 2006, uh, William and Mary beat North Carolina as the as a 15 seat in the tournament. Right. Uh, obviously, you think about UMBC beating for, number one over overall seat, Virginia, the no. first 16. But see, they well, overcame here, that with well, national championship yeah, next that's year. Right. That's right. Well, and we're talking about neutral court, too. We're not talking about this happens at Rupp Arena. This, this is, I don't know if you've ever been <laughs> to Rupp Arena. You're not supposed to win there. It just reminds me of when, Sa- uh, when uh, Appalachian State beat Michigan. Yeah, it is very similar to it that. It is very similar. Uh, it is because you know why it wasn't supposed to happen. It was <laughs> round of applause for Trevor. It, for the it wasn't you. supposed to happen. The home team had the advantage. They paid way too much money for that team to come down there, and they still had a chance down by three to even, pull something out, and they ruined it. They couldn't, <laughs> even, they couldn't even get an alumni discount from Walter McCarty. <laughs> Maybe what? 45, give them half off. No. 45,000. What you mean? It's Evansville Purple Aces. That is the discount. You're welcome. You pay $90,000 to take this L. Holla at your boy. Oh. <laughs> How old, real quick, game break. How old is Skylar Mays? Skylar, Skylar Mays. Mays. He's shooting free throws right now with 732 left in the game, in the first half. And he just, well, no, I'm sorry. Trenton Watford shooting free throws. But they were zoomed in on Skylar Mays. He's 22 years old. It, is that it? He looks way older. I don't know what they're putting in the water down there, but he looks maybe, maybe 30. 
It, a lot, a lot like, a lot like you know, uh, rough times down in bat, Baton Rouge. <laughs> bad times Baton in the Rouge. Stick, right? I mean, I mean, there might be something in the water. I mean, you were I talking mean, about Smart Caroline a second ago. Well, we need, <laughs> we need to talk about this. Javante Smart, you, you, you know, an excellent ball player. Uh, what has happened to his hair? I, I, like. <laughs> I need somebody to give me a report on this, and I like I feel bad talking about because it, it might be something medical. I have no clue. But no, it's not a Trey Young thing. Like it's, it's <laughs> like I need somebody to tell me what's happening here hey, hey. because it just it, it just doesn't look right. Hey, it save, doesn't look save right. It, save it for the home game. Save it for the home game. Well, I mean, yeah, but still, he might cut it by then. <laughs> oh, yeah. it, guys, it does not look good. It, he's come back and you should just get a fat head of him with his bad haircut. Mm. To, uh, this is a really good game, by the way. You know, it's the first half. It's a three-point game. Anyways. Hey, guys. Guys, look. Hey. Both teams undefeated, right? 1-0 LSU, 2-0 VCU. You know what that means? Something's, Something's got to got to give. Something's got to give. Something has to give. Something has to give. All right. <laughs> We've lost complete control of this SEC wrap-up. Uh, let's let's go ahead and run through these <laughs> these other games here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Xavier takes down Missouri in overtime. You know, and here's the thing: we need to talk about this too. Like, why can't our conference, uh, uh, our, our teams in our conference, help us take care of beating our rivals, our main basketball rivals? Xavier, of course, the, our third biggest basketball rival. Why can't like like what? What are they doing in Missouri? What, I mean, what are you doing? You got to help us out here. You know, like I mean, let's let's run through the list one more time. Our biggest basketball rivals, just for the audience. Let's run through the list. It, it starts with Creighton, yes, at one. Wichita State, Wichita State, Xavier, <laughs> Dayton of Ohio, Dayton of Ohio, yes. And then hell, I don't know. I don't know. Mississippi leave, State, Mississippi <laughs> State. You know, it's after it, that it gets real foggy it's, after it's Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and uh, South Carolina. I don't know why South Carolina is always a weird team to play. It's just Frank Martin. That's, that's it's just it's Frank Martin. That's a Frank it's, Martin it's, team you know, right there. You know, you know he's trotting out there at basically like I mean, they're playing green berets. Prison ball. South Carolina. <laughs> You know these. That, tra- it's like the doing. longest yard, but for basketball, <laughs> that's South Carolina. Auburn, Auburn is our fifth biggest rival. No, in, I don't think in, so. In the SEC. Oh, in the SEC. <laughs> in, in the, the SEC. SEC. Yeah, in the yeah. SEC. Yeah. I, I I hate Tennessee in basketball more than I hate Auburn. I I hate Kentucky in basketball right. more than I hate Auburn. And I hate on Mississippi State, LSU, and then South Carolina. Those and are, and of yeah. course, our most respected opponent. Murray State. Murray State, of course. Oh, you Murray State. Hats off to Murray State at all times. Coach Mac McMahon. Uh, I can't say I, enough I think about that's. I think Murray State might be the only time I've ever been as scared to heckle the opponent. <laughs> honestly, also, honestly that's, that's the only time I think I'll I've ever you. been scared to heckle the opponent because I know John Morant would just have lit it up. We're, the only time I've ever been held back from, from saying anything about the opponent was at, the, at a Memphis Navy game. I mean, what are you supposed to do? <laughs> what are you supposed to do? You're down seven. Mm-hmm. That you know they have the ball. What are you supposed to say to them? 
They're the Navy. I, it's the Navy. <laughs> it's the yeah. Navy. You can't you can't talk bad to the Navy. What are you gonna do? Thank you for your service. That's your smack the Navy, talk. The yeah. Navy beats you on your home floor. You, you tip your cap to them. That's right. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, that's all you can do at that you can't, point. Yeah, you can't talk to the Navy, the There's Army, or the Air Force. Let's look, let's look they back can around. only talk to each other. For let's the look back around trophies. the SEC though. Uh, last Auburn night. won by one point. I just well, want to point that. Hold on. Let's let's because I believe this is just me. I believe congratulations are in order. Uh, to Bruce Pearl because like playing this South Alabama team, I think they have four hey, starters. Who going on the going on the road on the road, the, true uh, true road game in a sellout crowd to South right. Alabama, and, and they they should they honestly should have lost. Like if South Alabama can grab one right. rebound at the end of the game, that's and their game. To freshman lose. Isaac Okoro taking over at the end, getting yeah. the. Getting the last bucket. Boom. Honestly, honestly, good for them because like that's a tough South Alabama team. You know they returned, I believe it was four starters to average fourteen or more points per game last season. Uh, but good, good for them. Honestly, you went the yeah, that's a really good game. You to went watch. the respectful. Route. I'm also a big fan of these these true road in state games. I know a yeah. lot of coaches are scared of them, but I, I mean, like it. I think it's a good uh, – Alabama's going to have one not classified as a true road game because it's played at Legacy Arena. Yeah. But we're going to play Samford in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. I, I think that these are good because you're not scared of, of losing the crowd. <laughs> like, you know you know that when you go to South Alabama as Auburn, the crowd's going to be in your favor. Uh, but, it, but it's good for those students to get that experience – Good for that school uh, yeah. to have a big name a sellout, come through, yeah. A sellout in their, their arena. South Alabama, I'm assuming, hasn't had many sellouts in their history. But to have Auburn come in, it's big for the program. Well, just these mid-majors in general. You look like look last season, how big of a deal it was that Alabama came to play Stephen F. Austin right. in Nacogdoches. Right. They basically closed the entire town down. Yeah. So they could like have the big party. They had a whiteout in at, at Stephen F. Austin. You see what it means these teams. It's and it's obviously going to be you know uh, at the end of the day when you're looking at resume, it's obviously going to be at worst you know a quad two loss or and a quad two win. Excuse and, me. And then I think what the most like the, what the thing that like coaches are missing from it and that like when you go through those types of things and you like been through it, it gets you prepared for tourney. That's right. Because you're going into extremely hostile environments that are not in your favor. And so you just need to have that experience sometimes, you know, so that way your players win it. Like even during conference play, when you're going into a Tennessee or a Kentucky and you see all that blue madness already, you know, you're already kind of like, all right, it's another away game. It just happens. You know, like we've already been through it. We've already been like, this is nothing because they're expecting us. Mm -hmm. You know, but like other teams, like mid majors, they're crazier than you guys because they're not used to seeing us all the time. So we have to be more on our toes than normal. The other team is playing more elevated because we're there. You know, like I think it's a great, it's a great tool for your team to have to have those mid majors in away games at their actual home floor. It's yeah. great for your team. Yeah. It is. And, and, you, and you see what, especially this come, sorry James, but you see what's know. coming up uh, for us just uh, this this coming Friday, uh, Alabama going to Rhode Island. Yeah, you know, that, that's a big deal. Well, Chet was a part of a home and home, but that, that's a big deal. I mean, that's for the not best way to get us. these done for the Power Five because you don't yeah. want to go play all your games on the road. No. You, you want to have those home games, and so to flip the schedule every other year, have have a road game against a mid-major and then have them in your own place. Yeah. I mean, that's what we're doing with Stephen F. Austin also. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think it's a, a good thing to do. I want to touch on real quickly before we get out of this segment, Arkansas. Uh, 
Talk about a turnaround by Eric Musselman. Uh, you know, I, this team looks good. I've got them. I know, Trevin, you know I was high on them last I year. Know you, you, were, you were high and on them last year, and they didn't even have the same hey. Went out kicking and screaming until they finally were Not eliminated from, yeah. the, from the tournament. Hey. But Arkansas, I think they're a top 25 school, and they're, they're going to have a big signing period. Already got Moses Moody. I think they're the front runners for a couple other guys, too. I think Eric Musselman is going to flip that program around quickly. And, yep, they got a good, uh, the, you know, they've been playing what, Rice, was the University of Northern Texas. No, not, not top, not, not top, top, not top talent, but, but you know. It's but, what you're seeing out of them, yeah, the way they true. play. That is true. I, I really, I'm going to hold out on that because of the talent that they're playing. It's a new coach, new system. I'm not saying that it's easy to win these games, but it's just not to the level of talent that you have. Yeah. So I'm going to wait and hold out on that until I see him play against Georgia Tech and Western Kentucky. And I'm leaving Western Kentucky in there because it's a true road game for them. Mm-hmm. Um, at Western another Kentucky. one of those mid-major. That's, 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 mid- that's, that's going to be a really good a, game. Another mid-major road game against a, a team that has the potential to actually win their Stansbury mid-major team. conference. A Rick Stansbury. Yeah. So I'm going to hold out for the them to go against Georgia Tech and Western Kentucky before I put an official evaluation on them. I'll definitely have my opinion on them before they head to Indiana and conference play. But I'm going to hold out until I see those two games first. All right, that'll wrap up our uh, third segment here. We'll come back. We'll wrap things up today with a list for you guys. Uh, We got a good one, so stay tuned. The Capstone, 90.7 FM, WVUA. All right, guys, welcome to the final segment. This is Trevin's Time to Shine. We are going to be doing our list here today. And I came up with a great list for us. Ladies and gentlemen, we are going to be doing our top five mascots not named Big Al. Okay? Live animals do count. Costumes do count. So we are going to start with James. James, top five, right. five to one. Remember the ground rules. Remember the ground right. rules. Big Al does not count. Live animals do. Number five for you. <clears throat> Number five. Tom three at the University of Memphis. Live tiger on the field. It's pretty pretty right. cool. Okay. Right. Is, is it Tom tiger? three like, or is it live tigers? Live Hold tigers. on. Is it Tom three or Tom the third? Tom three is what they call it. He okay. is the third Tom, but they call him Tom three. Okay. Right. Number four. Number four. We're gonna go. I like the I like the live mascots. We're going with the Arkansas Razorback. Okay. All right. All the right. Arkansas Razorback. Not a not a real Razorback, but it's cool to see a live hog on the field. Not not your traditional mascot. A little bit of bacon. Number three. Al and Alberta at the University of Florida. They're a great couple. Big great fan couple. of healthy, mascot couples. Health, healthy relationships. Any mascot couple you can find out there for me, I'm a big fan of it. I, I think that it's so so cool to see when they've got the, the mascot couples. Mm-hmm. Number two. No, this is where I'm trying to think if there's if there's other mascot I don't, couples. I, I feel like there are. I feel I, like But Al and Alberta are But those, that's two. the big one. Yeah. That's the big one. Yeah. Prime time. Um, number two. Number two. The Stanford tree. It's such a train wreck. It's, it's hard. <laughs> I mean, I mean, they trot uh, this thing out onto the field like, every game. It's not even the same thing every game, though. It's it's just random cloth put onto a, a wire cage and two two eyes and a mouth, and they just run around in circles and dancing and jumping. And I don't know. Every time I see it, I can't help but laugh, and that's what I'm looking for in a mascot. So All right. the Stanford tree, 
ranks right up there. Doesn't go uh, the Stanford Cardinal. Their mascot's a tree. The tree is actually made of cloth. You know, that's it's, a great point. Random, why, why are they random, 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 random? That's why are I love they? The, why are they the Cardinals and they don't have a well, cardinal? cardinal? Singular Cardinal. Well, why a Cardinal is, a, is, is the tree. It's called a cardinal. I thought, I thought, but there's a bird called a cardinal, right? There is. It's the there state is. bird of North Carolina, yes. No. So then why would they just... The, the Memphis right, anyways, red birds. Anyways, anyways, number one. Uh, that's a question for a different day. Number one. I mean, the no, no, trees no, 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 are all over on. North Carolina. No, no, what's your number one? No, would you please one? get the number one? Number right. one. Number one needs a drum roll. Give me a drum roll here. Swing and beat. At Oklahoma State golf. Just State golf. I'm a big fan of Pete in general. Okay. But <laughs> swinging Pete is my favorite. Big old pit, pit, swinging Pete. Pete with the golf club in hand. Top tier logo. Uh, if you ever see it on a on a golf shirt, mm-hmm. send it send it my way. Yeah. I'm I'm always looking for a good swinging Pete logo. We'll move on now. All right, Luke, Luke you're up. Top five mascots. Give us uh, my number one right now is the VCU Ram. <laughs> they're up 48-33 with a minute left in the first half over LSU, and they're just not looking back, folks. Uh, no, but you're number five. Uh, number five. I think I got to go with Otto the Orange at Syracuse. Otto <laughs> the Orange. Okay, Otto the Orange. Really fun to play with on NCAA 14 mascot mode it's because just, he just keeps just rolling down ball. the field. Yeah. <laughs> You just can't stop him. Uh, no, four, I think I'm going with Sparty at Michigan State. Okay. He's just so buff. He's, buff. <laughs> He's just so buff. I work out. Yeah, I got you. I got you. All right, number three. Three. You know what? I'm going with I'm going with Pistol Pete. At Pistol State. Pete? Any, any of them. Any Big of them. fan of Pistol Pete. Uh, I'm going with any of those. Uh, two. This is a tough one. This is tough. I want to say. You got it narrowed down. I want to say I know who my one is, but I want to say it's. Hmm. Let's go. Let's go with the. Uh, I don't know. Uh, let's go oh. with the Demon Deacon at Wake Forest. The Demon Deacon. I don't know what the, he is. The, I, the irony of demon, that name. He's a Demon Deacon, which is just. It's, it doesn't have. How do you have that? Who approved that? Ma- like a religious institution. He's coming in on a motorcycle. <laughs> right? <laughs> a religious he's here to school. Cause, you just know he's here and to they, cause trouble. What do, we, what do we want our mascot to be? Us, a Catholic university. <laughs> it's a Baptist university. Baptist, sir. excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> it's more it's a demon deacon, which is uh, that's like an they said, isn't and it? The, I bet. And here's what happened the school said. Let's let's name them the deacons, and then the the students came in and said, "Let's be the demons," and they reached a compromise <laughs> on the demon. <laughs> we'll just be both. I mean, we'll just be both. If you can find a better explanation for me, please please let me know because <laughs> I, I don't I don't. What, what, what is he supposed? To, is he supposed to be a preacher? What's he supposed to do? Like he comes, he comes in all cool. Is he like one of those cool youth preachers that ride right. a motorcycle? The, yeah. Is he one of those? He's a cool youth pastor. He, he wears the Abe Lincoln top hat. I, that is that is one of the the most yeah. confusing mascots in college. I, I do like it. I admire. I'm it. a fan of him. Uh, number give one, us your number one. Number one, give me a drum roll. 
Big Red, Western Kentucky. Big Red. <laughs> you can't just you can't not like him. He I just he's got his his mouth opens like the cone head. It's like on a <laughs> swivel, right? Like on a hinge. And just he he, he devours anything in his mouth. I love Big Red. It. I, that I, is a great mouth. I'm an admirer of Big Red. I right. love Big Red. It's just so weird. <laughs> it is. Right, it's all right. weird. All right, I get to you. All right, the best list, my list, obviously. So, at number five, I have... Hold on, hold on. Let's have all the fanfare here, because he made this list all by himself. Let's, right. Here we go. All right. Number five, I still have Reveille from Texas A&M. That's a good one. The little collie, the little collie that'd be running around with them on the field. That's a good, That's a good I just love him. He just, it's up to your live dog I would, mascot. Yeah, I wanted a nice live dog mascot for all my dog lovers out there. And out of the SEC, I just think he's the prettiest. Is it he or she? It's the prettiest. <laughs> Let's Junior not get in trouble. Let's Junior not get canceled Junior live Junior on the air. Right. All right, number four. I'm going to go with Osceola and Renegade, honestly. I think I'm going to switch it up. Osceola and Renegade. I like them at Florida State. I know, Luke, you're a fan of them. I know for sure. Yeah. I think my favorite part is when he falls off the horse. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the best part. All right. You know, and we, he doesn't like, do it a lot. You know, it used to happen like at least once a season. Yeah. But yeah. he used to just fall off. Like, like he, he used to, the Renegade used to buck Osceola off oh, yeah. the horse when they do the flame and spear thing at midfield. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that was, it's a lot like the, the, the schooner. The Sooner Schooner. Right. Like Except a real person. Just fell, it just fell over. Yeah. yeah. All right, number three. Oh, you got, you got, you got, yeah. well, I had a little more to say on this. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm a big fan of, uh, of mascots that respect the heritage of the Indian tribes. The Seminoles work along with the Seminole tribe to to come up with their mascot and all their pregame rituals. So that's yeah. so that's really cool to see. Very a cool. lot of lot of controversy Respecting out there the over, over certain mascots, but the at Florida State has done what they can to to eliminate that. Good. Definitely. Moving on to number 3. Number 3. Give me Bevo at Texas. Bevo. I'll take Bevo. Give me Bevo After Bevo the Texas. disrespect he showed to Uga he deserves it. Hey, Uga deserves it. Deserves well, it. I, like, I don't mean, don't go near Bevo I mean, if you're not expecting Bevo to Bevo. I, I, I don't just, go near Bevo if you're not expecting Bevo to Bevo. Like, come on, man! <laughs> what an arrangement of words! Like, I've never. It's like saying Buffalo hear. seven times and calling it a sentence. <laughs> Ralphie is Ralphie is on my special mentions list. Ralphie, Ralphie the, the Buffalo, Buffalo is, at Colorado. He is on my special mentions list. Big fan list. of Ralphie. honorable mention Ralphie. What a great honorable mention. What a great mascot. And they run him out. They there. do, and they try, yeah. they try to keep up, up with him like the pony. So like, SMU. so like, I was yeah. I was watching something about that. I'm just going to handle on this for a second. They take a year of preparation for you to get ready to run with Ralphie. So they have the auditions for the people who run with Ralphie a year in advance. So that, that's that's the dedication they have I mean, to make like, sure Ralphie is well taken care of, well fed, and that they're doing right. the right thing. Is this the, the Penn State drum? Is that where the... No, Purdue. Purdue. Purdue's got the big drum. Oh, yeah. And they... They have to train you to, to be the, the big drum guy. It's a big drum. It is. You know, they got to have guys you can't who carry just, You it. can't just roll, roll it out there. you got right. a team of people. Does that count as a mascot? I might put that in my top five. <laughs> no, 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 no. No. No? No. I want to redo my top five. No, no. Because we're, for, we're, we're clearly forgetting about Purdue people. Hey, These are on the spot. Hang on. These Hang are on, on the spot. I, we, we, I we, got we two more left. I got two more left. Number two. The fans are going to hate me for it. I hate myself for it. It hurts my soul. Would you just say it? Drumming here hard. The Auburn Tiger, Aubie. I love Aubie. Aubie is a great mascot. Aubie is a great mascot. mascot. Terrible school. Don't like them as a sports fan. Of course. They're a great institution. 
They're a good institution. They're good. They're, they're, <laughs> he, he downgraded it from great to good real fast. <laughs> they're, they're a good institution. But they I, have books. But Aubie, but Aubie is a great mascot. He's got hands. He's got <laughs> Thank he you. Thank you. That's the most underrated thing about this list. He has if hands. You're, if you're going to be in a costume, please have hands so that way you can do things. You, that should be on the on the uh, the required list <laughs> for skills of a mascot. Opposable <laughs> thumbs. Right. <laughs> I mean, right. you get I'll be too. Never in a bad commercial. I right. don't think so. I'll, I'll, if you're you having a good time, just getting beat by Big Al, it's yeah. all good. All right, number one. All right. Actually, no. Special, stop, stop. Special mention. I got to give a special mention to Dartmouth College Keggy the Keg. <laughs> it's, it's just official. <laughs> it's official. It's official. He's just a keg. <laughs> it's great. Uh, special special mention. Just keggy good, the keg. Good big brain. All, right. all right, now official. Also, Number one. Right, I, feel on. like, I feel like I'm qualified to use the Purdue drum after all this. Okay, you can, use, you can use the Purdue drum as your special mention. Wait. Well, very good, James. Very good. <laughs> I'm actually drumming. Drum. <laughs> hold on. Are you just on, like, Google looking up math, top mascots? Uh, no, I, no I know my top five. I just need the names. So I have them on here. And then I was looking on here. And then there's Dartmouth College, Keggy the Keg. This, he does this every great. week. He's always Googling his list as we as we speak. All right, number uh, one. Ring. Number one, my favorite mascot, of course, goes to Phil Knight in Oregon. The good old Oregon Duck. Oh, we forget about the Oregon Duck. The good Oregon old Oregon Duck. Duck. Wait, this begs the question, because he's an awesome mascot. Right. Who has done more? Who has had the biggest co- cultural impact, the Aflac duck or the Oregon duck? The Aflac duck. He's been saving me money on insurance. We're going Oregon duck here. Oregon duck? We're going Oregon duck. The Oregon really? duck just exists. Aflac gives you a purpose. Oregon duck. The Oregon duck can't talk. The Oregon duck, let's, right, let's right. Aflac duck can talk. And he's got a pretty good catchphrase. Do you really your insurance? But it's a niche insurance, right? Hold on, hold on. Who do you think are has... Are you taking... Are you, hold on. Are you taking concern with the company? No, 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 no. I would never our, take concern on over Nick Saban's championship winning And also, let's, insurance let's also remember that the Oregon Duck only appears about 12 times a year on a college football Saturday. Aflac well, Duck is around... On college football Saturday. On college football Saturday. The Aflac Duck is everywhere, every time, any time of day. The Oregon Duck, though is universally known as one of the lead promoters of Nike products. Is I mean, it? Oregon, Oregon, Oregon is being the oh, yeah. Nike school. Yeah, Oregon is And the him school, being yeah. the mascot who wear he wears whatever jersey they are wearing. Yeah. I mean, they break out a new costume every week for him just like they do a new jersey. And so I think that I mean, think about the think about how widespread the those Nike combat gloves have become. Mhm. Who who was the first Person you saw wearing those, it Mark was Ingram. The, yeah, <laughs> I don't, he was, no. Almost there. I don't you know. Almost got him there. You almost got him there. The Oregon Duck was pioneering the way as a mascot again with hands, wearing those wearing those wide receiver gloves with the Oregon O right in the middle of them. Did you guys know that they had to actually um, buy the logo from Disney for a while there? Because the Oregon Duck mascot used to look very similar to Donald Duck. So they had to buy the rights from Disney in order to use that logo for a while there, and then they changed Is it. Is Donald Duck a top three duck? 
He's he's probably number one duck. Is he Ooh. number one duck? He's probably no. number one duck. No, don't get me started who's, on hold this. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Who's no, 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 no. Let's get me no, started. James, please get ducks. Please get started on top ducks. Please. Number, we're asking you. You want me to go three to one or go one three to three? To one, this is a new ducks. list. No, let's James, get all the fanfare. James, special right. list: three ducks. Go. Bonus, bonus list: number bonus. three, the Oregon duck. Okay. Okay. Good. Number three. We've got that. Yes. All right. Two. What you got? For two. Number two is Daffy Duck. Daffy, Daffy over Donald. See, I like Daffy. That's ooh, okay. All right. I'm a big Looney Tunes guy. Okay. Right. I've got, I've got. A, I don't know if I would put I Daffy over Donald. I think he, I think he provides much more great, great comedic idea. value. Okay. Than Donald. So then, who's your and number, number one, one duck? Number one. This one, undisputed number one duck. The Peabody Ducks in Memphis, Tennessee. See, this... See. They have their own penthouse, people. How many ducks do you know that live in a penthouse? How many ducks do you know that march around a pond Are we forgetting about each Scrooge day? McDuck? Scrooge McDuck, that's a... Oh, that is a good, Are we good dark horse. But I don't think he's top three. Really? I mean, I'm, I'm talking the Peabody Ducks, led out by celebrities all the time. I mean, these ducks are trained to march from an elevator... Yeah, but that's regional. ...down around... And well, Lee Corso did it just a few weeks ago. Led yeah, the ducks. He was in Memphis. Led the ducks on a march. If you're a celebrity and you go through Memphis, one of the top things to do is lead the charge of the Peabody Ducks, and guys, that's why they're the top ducks. Guys, it's halftime of this LSU VCU game, and LSU's down 12, 50 to 38. All right, good, good game we, for the VCU Rams. Yeah, VCU. I'm gonna say it. I'm like, and we're gonna find out later because we're gonna finish this podcast sometime. Uh, and, <laughs> and the game's it just gonna never ends. We're, the, the game's going to be over. But I'm going to say it. Here's a prediction for the second half. Uh, VCU buries, uh, they just you know condemn LSU in the second half to eternal ramnation. All right. Please clap. Please clap. Thank you. This podcast has run long. Probably wondering when it's going to end. That time is now. <laughs> we want to thank you for joining us on the Bama Baseline podcast. And uh, I'll let everyone sign off for themselves. I'm James Fletcher. I'm Trevor Pierre. And I'm Luke Ratliff. You've been listening to the Bama Baseline podcast.